Hello, Chinese friends. Welcome to Spiritual Waimai. 欢迎来到属灵外卖 Delivering the spiritual food to you when you can't get out. 当你无法外出的时候，我们为你速递属天灵粮 This Spiritual Waimai article is a part of the series entitled "You're God's Masterpiece: The Genesis Notes." 本期属灵外卖来自特别系列。你是神的杰作，创世纪手记。Studying the book of Genesis to discover direction and hope for your awesome life. 通过研读创世纪，并联系新约的思想，为您的美好生活提供指引和亮光。An uncomfortable story, Genesis chapter thirty-eight. Judah's story. Just as we are getting started with the life story of Joseph, we are interrupted by a strange and uncomfortable story about Joseph's older brother, Judah. This entire story does not fit with my idea of what it should look like to be a part of God's plan. God kills two wicked men. One man will sleep with his wife, but will not allow his wife to conceive a child. A woman dresses up like a prostitute to to seduce her father-in-law, so she can become pregnant by him. The father-in-law wants to kill the daughter-in-law. This sounds like the plot of a movie that I would not see. How can this be in God's plan? To make things even more hard to comprehend, the child resulting from all of this will be a part of God's chosen ones. He is one of the forefathers of Jesus. What? At that time, the story starts with an odd line. At that time, what time? What was going on in this story? Genesis chapter thirty-eight, verse one. At that time, Judah left his brothers and went down to stay with a man of Adullam named Hira. Joseph was just sold into slavery. Do you remember whose idea it was to sell Joseph as a slave? Judah's. First, the brothers were going to kill him. Then they changed their minds, and Reuben persuaded them to throw him into a cistern. Reuben was going to save his life, but before Reuben could save him. Judah had this great idea to sell Joseph. Genesis chapter thirty-seven, verses twenty-six to twenty-seven. Judah said to his brothers, "What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood." His brothers agreed. Judah left. After Judah had this terrific idea to sell his brother. He himself left his brothers, and he moved away. We do not know why, but this major decision to leave resulted in Judah living separate from his family for about twenty to twenty-five years. He will come back together with his brothers at the end of the story. This story of Judah and Tamar in Genesis thirty-eight takes place during these twenty to twenty-five years while Joseph is a slave in Egypt, a slave because of Judah's suggestion. For all of jo- Joseph's years of suffering as a slave, Judah is also suffering in a different way. Judah's life, Genesis chapter thirty-eight, verses two to twelve. There, Judah met the daughter of a Canaanite man named Shua. He married her and made love to her. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son, who was named Er. She conceived again and gave birth to a son and named him Onan. She gave birth still to another son and named him Shela. It was at Kezib that she gave birth to him. Judah got a wife for Er, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. 
But Er, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the Lord's sight, so the Lord put him to death. Then Judah said to Onan, Sleep with your brother's wife and fulfill your duty to to her as a brother-in-law to raise up offspring for your brother. But Onan knew that the child would not be his. So whenever he slept with his brother's wife, he spilled his semen on the ground to keep from providing offspring for his brother. What he did was wicked in the Lord's sight. So the Lord put him to death also. Judah then said to his daughter-in-law, Tamar, Live as a widow in your father's household until my son Shelah grows up. For he thought, He may die too, just like his brothers. So Tamar went to live in her father's household. After a long time, Judah's wife, the daughter of Shua, died. When Judah had recovered from his grief, he went up to Timnah, to the men who were shearing his sheep. And his friend Hira, the Adullamite, went with him. Judah's wife was a foreigner, a Canaanite. Judah dutifully found a wife, Tamar, for his son Er. Er was so wicked that God killed him. So according to the cultural practices, Tamar was given to the next son, Onan, so she could have a child as the heir of Er. Onan did not like this idea and prevented Tamar from becoming pregnant. To God, this was wicked, and he put Onan to death. Judah then sends Tamar away and blames Tamar for the deaths. Meanwhile, Judah's wife also dies. Family life for Judah seems to be quite difficult. What about Tamar? Genesis chapter 38, verses 13 to 30. When Tamar was told, your father-in-law is on his way to Timnah to shear his sheep, she took off her widow's clothes, covered herself with a veil to disguise herself, and then sat down at the entrance to Enaim, which is on the road to Timnah. For she saw that, though Shelah had now grown up, she had not been given to him as a wife. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute, for she had covered her face, not realizing that she was his daughter-in-law. He went over to her by the roadside and said, Come now, let me sleep with you. And what will you give me to sleep with you? She asked. I'll send you a young goat for my flock, he said. Will you give me something as a pledge until you send it? She asked. He said, What pledge should I I give you? Your seal and its cord and the staff in your hand, she answered. So he gave them to her and slept with her, and she became pregnant by him. After she left, she took off her veil and put on her widow's clothes again. Meanwhile, Judah sent the young goat by his friend the Adulamite in order to get his pledge back from the woman. But he did not find her. He asked the men who lived there, Where is the shrine prostitute that was beside the road at Enaim? There hasn't been any shrine prostitute there, they said. So he went back to Judah and said, I didn't find her. Beside the men who lived there said, There hasn't been any shrine prostitute here. Then Judah said, Let her keep what she has, or we will become a laughingstock. After all, I did send her the young goat, but you didn't find her. About three months later, Judah was told, Your daughter-in-law Tamar is guilty of prostitution, and as a result, she is now pregnant. Judah said, Bring her out and have her burned to death. As she was being brought out, she sent a message to her father-in-law. I am pregnant by the man who owns these, she said. And she added, See if you can recognize whose seal and cord and staff these are. Judah recognized them and said, She is more righteous than I, since I wouldn't give her to my son, Shelah. 
and he did not sleep with her again. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. As she was giving birth, one of them put out his hand, so the midwife took a scarlet thread and tied it to his wrist and said, This one came out first. But when he drew back his hand, his brother came out, and she said, So, this is how you have broken out. And he was named Perez. Then his brother, who had the scarlet thread on his wrist, came out, and he was named Zerah. Tamar is now a widow and has no children. She has returned to her father. She's not being taken care of like she should. An injustice has been done to her. Tamar makes a plan. She pretends to be a prostitute. She sleeps with Judah and becomes pregnant. When Judah finds out, he wants to kill Tamar. Tamar then reveals Judah as the father of her child. In the end, Tamar has twins. One is named Paris. He is in the genealogy of Jesus. What an incredible story! What is your opinion? Who is right and who is wrong in this story? Is this story okay? This is a story with a horrible list of bad happenings. It is easy for us to read the story and judge the characters, but once we condemn Judah and Tamar in our own minds, it is really hard to understand why or how God could use this sinful situation to bring forth a child who would lead to the birth of Christ. It just doesn't seem to make sense. We know God hates sin and wickedness. Otherwise, he would not have killed Er and Onan. How could God have killed the sons of Judah, but then allow Judah to do these shameful things and bless him with a child? The moment everything changed. If this was a movie script, the most dramatic moment would have been when Judah went to kill Tamar. It seems there must have been quite a crowd gathered around him as he stormed to Tamar's father's home to condemn her to death. But just as Tamar is being led out to her death, she sends a message to Judah. Genesis chapter 38, verse 25. As she was being brought out, she sent a message to her father-in-law. I am pregnant by the man who owns these, she said. And she added, see if you can recognize whose seal and cord and staff these are. Judah's seal, cord, and staff are like a modern-day identification card or business card. Tamar knew an injustice had been done to her. She speaks out the truth. She exposes the injustice. But she does not speak out against Judah and his sons. She never says a word against them, but she points out the facts. At this moment, Judah does something completely changing the direction of the story. He did not deny they were his children. He did not blame someone else. He confessed his own sin. He admitted he had done wrong and acknowledged Tamar was more righteous than he was. Genesis chapter 38, verse 26. Judah recognized them and said, She is more righteous than I, since I wouldn't give her to my son Shelah. And he did not sleep with her again. After many years of suffering, two sons die, his wife dies, no grandchildren, he confesses openly the truth. He does not hide what he did. He openly says, She is more righteous than I, since I wouldn't give her my son Shelah. He then repented of his sin. He does the right thing. He took Tamar home to live with him. He did not treat her as a wife, but he cared for her as he should have. And she raised her twin sons in his home. Confession and repentance. 
With confession and repentance, everything can change. The worst circumstances can be changed for the glory of God. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent then and return to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Can you think of a situation in your own life or in the life of someone you know which seemed so wrong, so against God's plan and so ugly, but once sin was confessed and lives were turned toward God, the ugly story became beautiful? The rest of the story. The rest of the story is fascinating. Three other times in the Bible we hear about Tamar. She actually becomes quite famous. First Chronicles chapter 2, verse 4 lists her name in the genealogy of Israel. Tamar is one of the few women listed. First Chronicles chapter 2, verses 3 to 4. The sons of Judah, Er, Onan, and Shelah, these three were born to him by a Canaanite woman, the daughter of Shua. Er, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the Lord's sight, so the Lord put him to death. Judah's daughter-in-law, Tamar, bore Perez and Zerah to Judah, and he had five sons in all. In Ruth, Tamar's story is used as a blessing to Boaz. Ruth chapter 4, verse 12. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. And most impressive, she is the first woman listed in Jesus' genealogy in Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, verse 3a. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. In Matthew chapter 1 is the list of Jesus' family tree. There are, in fact, five women listed. The first one is Tamar. Here are the other famous women. Tamar, a foreigner, a widow, dressed like a prostitute to become pregnant. Rahab, a foreigner, a prostitute, honored God with her actions. Ruth, a foreigner, a widow, honored God with her actions. Bathsheba, mother of Solomon, adulteress, wife of King David. Mary, virgin, submitted her life to God. These five unlikely ladies were very important to God's plan. Widows, prostitutes, foreigners, adulteress, virgin. God used them all. Why do you think God uses unlikely people to do his kingdom work? Why would he use people with these kinds of backgrounds? The big picture. Let's look at the big picture. God's big plan was to have a family on earth the Jews, who would know God and share God with the whole world. Through them, God brought us the law, the prophets, and the Messiah. Through this family, Abraham's family, the whole world would be blessed. Judah was the son in the family who was going to lead the world to Messiah, not the oldest, Reuben, not even Joseph. God chose Judah. But then Judah walked away from his family and had a very separate life. He lived his own way. Finally, Judah came to an important place in his life where he humbled himself, broke his own will, and confessed his sin and repented. At that moment, everything changed. Judah's way versus God's way. Before this, Judah was doing things his own way. He separated from his family, found his own foreign wife, found a foreign wife for his son, rejected his daughter-in-law, visited a prostitute, and faced life with a family getting smaller and smaller. Judah is broken. Judah is finally broken of his strong will. He does not cover it up. He confesses. He is broken in front of God and submits to him. He confesses and does what is right. His life is now forever changed. And we will see Judah's name more and more throughout the entire Bible. Jesus is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. 
God wants a big family. Judah had left his family, left God's chosen people, tried to make his own plan, his own destiny. But God was always with him, and God waited for Judah to come back so God could accomplish his great work in Judah's life. Our lives as Christians are to be lived for Jesus and furthering his name on this earth. We are not to live for ourselves. As we follow Jesus, he wants us to have many, many children, spiritual children. Are we growing God's family or are we running away to pursue our own life? When we pursue our own life, we get smaller and smaller. Judah lost two sons and a wife and had no grandchildren. Finally, when Judah submitted to God's plan, Judah's family grew. When we pursue God's life, we will grow. We will have many spiritual children and grandchildren. How are you building the family of God? Are you leading people to Christ who can be considered your spiritual children? Do you have spiritual grandchildren? Is your spiritual family getting smaller or bigger? How can you grow this family? Thanks for having some spiritual limey with us. We hope that you liked it and that it fed your soul. And we hope you come back for some more. We love ya.